Welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. Every two weeks, we post podcast versions of one of our free training videos, or you can access our videos now at beyondordinarywomen.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Kay Daigle of Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries. Welcome to this video and podcast. Uh, today, we are talking about the effects of Roe versus Wade being overturned. We are talking about supporting mothers and babies. Mm-hmm. And I have Sharifa Stevens. She's not here with me. We're on Zoom, but <laughs> she is with us on Zoom. Uh, Sharifa is on our ministry team for Beyond Ordinary Women, and you can read her bio on our website. But Sharifa has been involved in Crisis Pregnancy Center, and I know she'll tell us about that. So welcome, Sharifa. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me, Kay. It's good to be here. This is a really nuanced, sensitive subject, and we can't go through all of the nuances in a single podcast or even in a series. Um, So I wanted to start off by saying that, and I know that there are people who are listening who have had a diversity of experiences in terms of even discussing Roe versus Wade. And I just want to honor God and the experiences of so many women as they've engaged with this, either theoretically or because they had to make all sorts of choices. So I wanted to start with that. That's right. That's right. This, this talk is mainly how do we move forward? How do we show our support for women, for mothers, for babies moving forward because of this Roe v. Wade decision? And I like to celebrate the fact that Jesus is a whole life person who in his ministry, in his birth, and in his death and resurrection, uh, had so much respect for human life, but not just respect, love and compassion. And so as people who are Christ followers, we have the most magnificent and flawless example in Jesus. And what do we see with him? We see uh, a person who bestows dignity on everyone with whom he speaks. Maybe, maybe less with Pharisees, but with the people who, (laughs) but it depended on the Pharisee that even that was, was not a generalization, but that way. And he, he told them what they needed to hear. He He did. He did love them enough to tell them what they needed to hear. Yes. He, He has the uncanny ability to meet people where they are, to bestow dignity. Also, he he did not ignore the material needs of people. So when people were hungry, he noticed. When his disciples were hungry, he noticed. And I love that when he was resurrected, the first one of the first things he did was broil fish on the beach. So that's that's my savior. He cares about. Um, the soul and the body. And so I believe that as his followers, that's what we should be after as well, especially for women and babies post Roe v. Wade. So 
the big picture, I'm just going to give it away right now, is please do research. Do research in your community. Do research about your municipality, your officials, the people who are representing you, the pregnancy centers and, and helps, emergency helps that are in your, your town, your city, your state. That's the big idea. The, the smaller sections of this idea is how do we help people who previously maybe thought about abortion as an option out of desperation, out of economic need, because of a threat of violence or because of hunger, poverty. And the answer to these questions is support the institutions, the organizations, the individuals, the people who support people in need. What does that look like? Well, on a municipal level, it looks like voting. If you take a look, just do an internet search for pro-life organizations who are interested in buoying mothers, uh, expectant mothers, a lot of those organizations actually point women to government programs in order to supplement for food, for prenatal care, for care for infants and children. So we're talking about the WIC program. We're, we're talking about maternal Medicaid programs, things like that. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So if we are supporting women who are on the brink of poverty, who want an alternative to abortion, then we are supporting the people who support those programs. Right. Um, so voting is, is, is integral to this and voting for uh, the interests of vulnerable people. And some of us are not in a vulnerable position. And so we need to acquaint ourselves with people who are oriented differently than us. Well, you know, Sharifa, and I know, I know you're familiar with this, but, you know, some studies have been done talking to women who were considering abortion and really, you know, I wish I had the number here, but it's, it's like an overwhelming number would not have an abortion if they had the support that they need. Absolutely. That you're talking about those, those kinds of supports that they need. And, and so this really gets to the heart of the problem is that they need support. Women out there need support. And, and it's, it's big support. I mean, we're talking about a lot of women and we're talking about a lot of families and that's certainly beyond the scope of any pregnancy centers that I know about right now. They could not handle supporting that many women, that many families. So, so voting does come into this. People yeah. who support supplementing the income, supplementing the food, supplementing in some way these families and these women that need help. Yes. And I know that talking, talking about voting is talking about politics, right? And I know that that is controversial for some people, but I love wading into the controversy if it means that more women will receive the support they need. Because at the end of the day, 
I love that the people of God and the church in the United States is so committed to volunteerism and committed to giving generously. And at the same time, unfortunately, it doesn't, it doesn't lessen the burden that is, is placed on women's shoulders when it comes to finances, childcare, nutrition, and health. It, it, we haven't already been able to bridge that gap as, right. as the church. And, and I don't think it's a lack of care or a lack of generosity. It's just something that is, it needs to be supplemented by the government. And if you just, yeah, it's me, just too big. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it's, it is. And, and so many of our churches that have the funds are not in the neighborhoods. I mean, let's face it, minority women, because they are more in, have higher poverty rates than white women, their churches can't totally do this, all this supporting themselves. I mean, we need to be helping and Ooh, Kate, really, that's like a bigger conversation. <laughs> and, well, I, I'm just, I'm just saying yes. it, it is just, it's, it's, I think it's really impossible for the institutions we have at this point to, to take on what we're talking about, which is so big with all these families who are in poverty or near poverty yes. and they need support. They need support for those children going on. It's not just let's give them diapers, let's buy baby food. I mean, how are they going to feed them going forward? How are they going to buy their school supplies? How are they going to do all the things that parents need to do for their children? It's a, it's a big, big problem. It's, it's, it's a problem beyond just mothers and babies, but it is. we're going to be adding to it at this point because these precious babies will be born. Mm -hmm. We need to take some responsibility to help in that. And I'm a little afraid and I, I hope I'm really wrong, but I'm a little afraid that the crisis pregnancy centers that have been getting so much money to stop abortion may not get as much money to just give support to families as they're getting now. I could be totally wrong about that, but that's been the plea. I mean, I've been to pregnancy center fundraisers. That's been the plea is all about stopping the abortion rate. But so I hope, I hope that that's not the case. I, I hope that that's not the case either. And I think this is an opportunity for us as the people of God to put our money where our mouth is to continue to do that. And I, I, I also, speaking of pregnancy resource centers, I adjure, implore, exhort people who support them to ask a lot of questions, to talk to staff, because not all pregnancy resource centers are the same. And you really want to support uh, centers that bestow dignity to their clients, that don't speak down to or condescend to their clients, who are compassionate towards their clients, as well as professional towards their clients. So that, how do you find out about that? That's a, that's great. So there are two, there are two methods for me. I ended up being a client of 
a pregnancy resource center that I had previously supported and recommended to others. And it was eye-opening just talking to the receptionist and being told that I'll probably miscarry anyway. And then having an ultrasound where the nurse said that I didn't have a baby after I saw the heartbeat, but I happened to be in my thirties, married, and have had previously been pregnant. So I knew a heartbeat when I saw it, but just the mental distress that the pregnancy resource experience gave me was really, as a person who's grounded, who was not in crisis, who just had financial limitation, but who had plenty of resources for support, it was really eye-opening to me, um, just the, the level of casual conversation around the life of the baby. So, you know, just call and say, if I would like to make an appointment, what is the process? Who will see me? What are their certifications? Just ask, ask questions because the answers and also the reception matters a lot. I just rolled off the board of an organization called Abide Women's Health Services. And that's here locally in, in Dallas, Texas. It's located in South Dallas. And in our, in our context, there are young Black girls who are in South Dallas who are the most underserved and also have the highest rates of teen pregnancy. And we want to applaud teen pregnancy if we're against abortion. I know it's not ideal, but, but these, are, these are, are young women and girls who are choosing life. How do we support them? So Abide, what I like about it is it's culturally competent. So it's not viewing Black girls as less than. It is an organization that believes in uh, cultural competency training for for Black and uh, Latina girls and women. And it provides low-cost or no-cost care that is uh, supplemented by the generosity of donors. But it's right in the heart of where it needs to be, so it's accessible and it's culturally competent so people feel safe enough to come in and receive the, the care that they need without feeling othered or demeaned. So that, that matters to me. And I, I hope that it also matters to the people of God because our, our savior is one who bestows dignity. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. And in the same vein of helping women in vulnerable positions, donate, donate your time, donate your resources. Here we have a shelter, Genesis Women's Shelter. In your neck of the woods, there might be shelters that are geared towards women and children. These shelters matter so much because number one, there are many women who are trying to flee domestic violence situations. And you know, these have been exacerbated due to the, the pandemic. Just the, the economic insecurity, the 
stay at home orders. There, there's so much um, that compounded a really horrible situation and having a vulnerable being pregnant and, uh, or having a newborn just exacerbates the vulnerability of that situation. So mm-hmm. places like Genesis women's shelter uh, or shelters for women and children specifically can be a safe haven for people who are trying to escape the cycle of violence. Then also there are food banks. Now, Feeding America is one of them, but I know we have like North Texas Food Bank here locally and in the listeners, the viewers neck of the woods, I know that there are food banks who are always in need of good quality food, not the things that we would throw away and not eat ourselves, not not the expired things, but good food, nourishing food for mothers who maybe need to make ends meet. And and these are people, I think people have a particular face that they associate with poverty, a a particular type of person. But Kay, in this economy, there is no one face, right? There is, there's no one type. Food banks, food banks are a way to keep people from, from starving from all sorts of walks of life, right? So we just need to, to destigmatize the use of food banks, first of all, but also support them with, with volunteering your time, um, with donating your money, and what they ask for it, for donating good quality food. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've you know, given food and given money to those places. And, you know, I, I just, it's, it's, it's scary to think about children and families who don't have the food that they need, just the yeah. everyday food that they need. And of course it affects children's learning. It affects, you know, so many so many things, their development, physically. And in the first year of life. Yeah. You no, know, you want that. You, you, especially just, there's so many physiological, neurological changes happening in a child and a strong, healthy mom means a strong, healthy household. Absolutely. It, I mean, and if, if mothers choose to, to nurse, you know, like, and even if they don't, it's just, there, there's such a need. We saw the the formula outage, the formula um, right Scarcity. shortage, I should say, yeah. just this year. So, like these these needs are real, and a, a lot of people were just saying, "Well, why don't you just nurse?" Well, you want you want the mom to work. You don't want her to stay at home. And if she's working, she's not necessarily in a place that accommodates pumping every three hours. It's just, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure on mothers who have a lot of support, but the ones who are not as supported, it's just incredibly difficult. So we want to alleviate that. Right. And many of those mothers would lose their jobs if they tried to bring a baby with them or they didn't show up because they needed to nurse their child or they came late if they needed to nurse their child. And 
to put that kind of pressure on a mother. And then of course, some, it doesn't work to nurse anyone. They can't do it. It's not a possibility. So that's not an answer. You can't tell mothers you need to, well, then just nurse your kids. And, 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 you know, and a mother who already has a child a couple of months old, can't just suddenly start nursing her child if she wasn't nursing it before. That's right. There's a lot of ignorance in some of the things that people say and some of the things that people suggest to fix problems, but that is not a fix for a shortage like that. And, and I know some of them depended on food banks that we're talking about to be able to get some of that and I'm sure the food banks ran out just like everybody else, but it was a place that they could get formula for their children. Yes. I mean, we could, you know, okay. Just as, as a mother, I know how hard it was just to start nursing. It's not, it's not simple, but also as a, as a mother who used formula for one of my kids, every formula doesn't fit the child. It's just, so much more nuanced. Like we said at the beginning, it's so much more nuanced than maybe people are, are seeing, or maybe they just need to experience it. I think that the umbrella of all of these ideas about voting, about donating time and resources, about vetting pregnancy resource centers, about contributing kindly to food banks, um, and I didn't mention abortion recovery centers, but like supporting supporting the people who support abortion survivors and people who need to process through the abortions that they had, because those women also need support. The, the big umbrella idea is compassion and action, because otherwise we're just clanging symbols, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians, 13. We can speak with the tongues of men and of angels. You know, we could, we could give our body to be burned, but if we don't have love, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. So the, the motivation of all of this is love. It is, it is the love of, of God and the love of God is holistic. The love of God is, is very particular to the need of the person in, in front of God, right? It's, it's a transformational love. It's a nourishing love. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a love that leads to, to flourishing. It's, it's truly beautiful and, and, and it's life-giving. And that's what, that's what we're after. Like if we are a people who preserve and believe in, in life, then what we're doing is bestowing dignity with the things that we do. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. Yeah. And I think, I think it's so important to realize that these mothers need support and they need our love. And even the ones that have chosen abortion in the past, even the ones that would have one now, if they could, mm-hmm. Because we all know somebody. Okay. Oh, I know several people who've had abortions my age, you know, yes, who've had abortions. And some of them, you know, it took them decades to heal 
yeah. heal through that. And so I, I, I like your emphasis on abortion recovery because I think that's really important too. But I do think we have to we have to love women and care for them and their children and show just as much love, being pro-life, showing just as much love to those families with children as to someone who was considering abortion. Yes. Thank you, Sharifa. These are good thoughts. And I hope that those out there who are wondering what to do have gotten some ideas here about where you can support women. And I certainly would encourage you to seek out those places. If you've already been giving to a crisis pregnancy center of some kind, please don't stop now because there are still pregnancies in crisis, although abortion may not be an option where you live. Those mothers and those babies are going to need a lot of support Mm -hmm. and we need to be there to give it to them. That's what the church is about. That's what the way of Jesus is about. That's right. Thank you, Sharifa. I'm sure we'll be seeing you again. Yes, I hope so. Thank you, Kay. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. You can find more podcast episodes and resources for women in leadership by going to beyondordinarywomen.org. This podcast is produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministry. Our production team includes Evelyn Babcock, Kay Daigle, Deborah Herring, and Sharifa Stevens. Theme music, Back in Stride by Don Miller, used courtesy of Christine Miller.